we also went on, we were able to go on vacation last October, and, and we, were, we got to go to Disneyland, right? And, and that was fun. I don't know if you've ever been to Disneyland. It's, it's a lot of fun for everyone except me. I don't really like Disneyland, but my kids and my wife love it. So, you know, I take one for the team, and we go, and, you know, I, I sacrifice that way. I'm willing to sacrifice so uh, my, my family can be happy. And, but uh, one of our kids, Harry, he got sick while we were at Disneyland, and, and uh, he was a real trooper while we were there, and, it was, and uh, it's a long story, and uh, I, I don't know, hopefully no one has a weak stomach. I'm not going to talk about all of the details of it, but he got sick in the middle of the night, and, and Harper, this, this is the thing I'll, I'll probably remember forever, is, is Har- they, were, they were sharing a bed, Harry and Harper were sharing a bed, and, and uh, right in the middle of the night when he got sick, and you know, we're trying to deal with this, we're staying in the hotel, how do you deal with that when you're, in a, it's one thing at home, right, but at, in a hotel, how do you deal with that when you're in a hotel, and then, and then Harper's just indignant in the middle of the night, he said, Harry, why'd you puke on me? And she kept saying puke instead of puke, so, Why'd you puke on me? And um, so, you know, we, we kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe he was just kind of overexerted himself, you know, just to maybe hadn't had enough sleep or something, and then got sick the next morning. And so we were talking, well, we're going to have to, you and me are going to have to stay back in the hotel. And he was just, he willed himself that he was like, no, I am not going to miss out on one of the days of Disneyland. And so uh, we got to the parking garage, and, and, uh, and he made his deposit in the parking garage there. But that was it for the whole rest of the day. I mean, he powered through the rest of the day until we got back to the parking garage, and then he made another deposit in the parking garage, and we just determined that he really doesn't like that parking garage. And so um, uh, we got through the rest of our trip, uh, through the rest of our time at Disneyland. Nobody got sick. And then remember, there was that, that big storm, that big windstorm that everyone was talking about, and there were all of these news stories, right? And we're down in Southern California, and we're kind of checking in on Facebook, and we keep seeing people, this thing going viral about this post about how this windstorm is, you know, the biggest windstorm that's coming to us, you know, since like the Columbus Day storm. And so, you know, so we're, we're thinking, oh, I'm at least I'm thinking, I want to be home. I'll actually because we're going to be kind of coming in right at the end of that storm, and up where we live, if you come in after the storm, there's a chance you might not be getting home with trees down on the road and all of those things. And so I thought, well, I want to get there before the storm comes, so at least if we get stuck, we're stuck at home and not trying to get home, especially after coming home from vacation. So we left, instead of leaving on the next morning, we left about 5 o'clock, and we're going to drive all night long so that we could get home and kind of beat this storm. And three or four hours after having been driving into uh, the night, we start to hear that sound that no parent wants to hear in the car, right? And it was Harper, poor Harper. I won't give any details about it because I know some of you have weak stomachs and you can't really deal with that. You can pretend I'm talking about something else for the next few moments. And then several, you know, we kind of go through dealing with that situation. We get several hours down the road and um, we hear that sound again, and it was Henry. And so we've, we've at least I've, I've kind of dubbed that trip, you know, Pukeocalypse of 2016. <laughs> But, you know, we're, we're a few hours into the drive when one of them gets sick, and we're still 12 or 13 hours away from home. It's like we only really have one option, right? We, we can't stop 
and fly home because we have our vehicle there. So it's not like we can, it's like we only have one option. What's the only option? Our only option is keep driving. Maybe drive a little bit faster than we were planning on driving. But we just, we kept driving and you just kind of get used to the sound and the smells and those sorts of things as, as you go on to it. But uh, you know, we thought, well, that, man, that's just kind of one bad luck experience, right? Like, you know, the kids getting sick on vacation at Disneyland. So it's one, one bad luck. Well, so we spent, you know, the day in Yellowstone on this most recent trip. And then the next day, the kids had been trapped in the car. And we were in South Dakota and, and uh, decided, well, the kids have been trapped in the car for a while. I need to kind of make them run off some energy. So we're at this rest area. We'd stopped. And had eaten lunch and you were putting all the stuff back in the cooler and, and so I made the kids run to the fence and back and here we go again, one of them. And I you know, I thought, oh well it's just because it's just because I made them run right after lunch that this was happening. Well it turned out not to be the case. One of our kids was sick again, and then later two more of our kids got sick Again, and uh, you know, apparently that's just what we do on road trips now. It's just our our kids get sick, and that's just kind of how we do it. But you know, the thought came to me again. It's like, man, I would just I would so much rather be dealing with this at home. But we are literally three thousand miles away from home, so what, we only had we only had one option, right? We only, you just you keep driving until you get where you're going. We're halfway between nowhere, literally, if you've ever been in South Dakota, you know you're literally in the middle of nowhere, between nowhere and nowhere. And so you just, you keep driving because you only had one option and then, you know, you hope that on the way back it's not going to happen again and luckily no one else in the family got sick on the way back so we had a nice, calm, quiet three-day drive back home from Ohio and, you know, so we kind of made it through the pukeocalypse of 2017. So... I'm hoping there will not be a 2018 event, whatever it is that we end up doing. But doesn't it change your mind when you only have one option? Like, I had the thought again, even when we're in Ohio, it's like, man, I would just love to just kind of drop everything and fly home and deal with this at home, right? Wouldn't that be nice to just be at home? But again, we have our vehicle and a lot of our belongings are in Ohio, so we only have one option. We had to drive home and we had to get home. And it kind of changes your thinking about how you're going to deal with something when you only have one option. When you know you have a difficult situation to get through or you have a challenge that you're working through and the only option is this option of, you know, kind of grinning and bearing it and getting through, it just changes your perspective on things, right? I mean, a lot of us, we can kind of go into our, our, our unhappy place and we get gripey and moany and complainy and whiny, but, you know, we still have to get through whatever it is we're getting through. And when we only have the one option, it just kind of changes the way we think. It changes our perspective. And I want to ask today, how would it change my perspective and our perspective on our relationship with God if we treated it in the same way as it's our only option? And I want to explain that just a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to dig a little bit uh, into these, these words that we're using here. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. We already covered heart last week and that it's the center of everything we are. It's what drives us. But what is soul, strength, and mind? What does it mean to love God with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. It's an important thing to know if this, this is the definition of how we're supposed to love God, then, then we should pay attention to what it means to love God in this way, right? So what is our soul? Well, I've done some research and reading and discussion, and, 
And the best I can come up with, for one, soul is it's, uh, the breath of life. It's the word that's used for pneuma there that, that uh, means breath, literally breath. So it's essentially the breath of life, but, but it describes our eternal nature, who we are, that God designed, and the eternality that he created in each and every one of us. It's what makes you, you, and what makes me, me. That's, that's our soul. So the, the you that makes you, you, is the you that God designed to live on through all of eternity. That was kind of a fun sentence to say. I kind of want to say it again. The you that makes you, you, is the you that God designed to live on for all of eternity. Did you follow that? That's your soul. That's, that is what, it, what your soul is. Now, our strength, what does it mean to love God with all of our strength? Well, it could mean that, you know, our physical strength so that is, that is a potential possibility that is not excluded from the meaning of the word, but, but that's kind of covered in heart as well. The, the idea of, of loving God with all of your physical strength is covered in the idea of loving God with all of your heart. So what else could it mean? And so I did, did some digging and, and research into it, I, and I think this is a good example of what it means to love God with all of our strength. If Another way to, to interpret that word is might. It's our abilities, loving, loving God with all of, of our abilities, our might, our strength, who we are. Someone asked the question, where does our soul reside in us? That's a good question. If you have other questions or comments, you can send those to 360-818-4399. I'll do my best to answer those throughout the morning. Um, I don't really have an answer other than it's in us. You know, it's, it's probably in our mind, it's in our brain, it's in all of who we are. I think all of, all of these things are really intertwined in everything about who we are, um, and so it would be a hard, a hard thing to really pinpoint. There's probably a lot of people who have a lot of different theories and philosophies, and you could spend 12 years researching it on Google, and so go do that and tell me what you come up with, and that'll be my answer from this point forward. But, um, but loving God with all of our strength, our abilities, our might, you know, this is, this is kind of what God has given us when it comes to who we are in our makeup. It's in your shoes. Yeah, um, that's where our soul is. It's in your shoes. All right, so heart, soul, strength, and then mind. Loving God with all of our mind, and mind was actually one of the easier ones to define. It's, it's our thinking, what we think about. It goes a little bit deeper than that, but, but it's kind of what, what uh, pervades our thoughts. So there's your heart, it's what drives us, your soul, it's what makes you you, your strength, it's your abilities, and your mind, it's what you think about. So think about those things, and think about loving God with all of that. That's all that encapsulates who we are as human beings. So what does it mean then to love God in this way? What does it mean to love God with all of my everything we are, my drive, my passions? What does it mean to love God with, with all of what makes me, me, with my personality, my, my, my original makeup that God designed me with? What does it mean to love God with all of my abilities, with all of my might, with all of my strength? What does it mean to, to love God with all of my thoughts and giving God all of what I think about? And if you're like me, you, you immediately go to, well, that sounds, that sounds impossible, right? How am I supposed to do that? Well, I wanted to address quickly that it doesn't mean a couple of things. I don't think it means, when, when you look at this passage, I don't think that it means that, 
that every single passing thought must be about how, how awesome God is and, and how, how amazing God is. And so we just kind of have to resign ourselves to being monks, essentially. And we spend our days sitting around in just because the only monks I know are the ones that I ever see on TV, and they're always wearing those orange togas. And so it's like, so we sit around in an orange toga all day, and we just meditate about how amazing God is. And so isn't, isn't that the only, well, not really if you look at the passage, because if our abilities and what God has gifted us with, then that means loving God with those as well. Well, then, so does it mean that we abandon everything in our life and put it all behind us, and then we just, you know, we just put everything about, you know, loving God, loving God, loving God, and, and so we're just, we're going to walk away from our families, from our jobs, from our livelihood of, of all kinds. We're just, we're going to love God. I don't, I don't really think that that is what, what Jesus is getting at here when he's using this, and I don't think that is what God was getting at when he used it back with the Israelites. Here is what I, what I would like to maybe use as our working definition for loving God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. It means that our love of God determines our perspective and our pursuit of everything. Our love of God determines our perspective and our pursuit of everything. Think of it as what I started this talk with, is that loving God with everything we are and have is our only option. So everything that God has given me, my drive, my, my eternal spirit, my abilities and my thinking and my, my uniqueness and all of those things, it means I'm loving God. My only option is loving God with those things. So loving God then determines my perspective and my pursuit of anything that is driven out of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I don't think you could argue then that our only approach is to withdraw and remove ourselves from all of life because God designed us to live in this world and in this life. God designed us to live in a way that brings glory to him and to his name and, and, and to live a life that glorifies him in every single facet of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so if, we are, if our only resolve is to exclude ourselves from all of life, then how are we going to do that? But if we love God with our perspectives and our, pers our pursuit of everything and loving God determines that, then I think we can come up with a working definition about how it drives us in everyday life. Loving God with everything, it changes the way we see this life as something that has been entrusted to us to use for God's glory and bringing glory to his name. And, and it changes the way we pursue the things and people of this life. If we understand that loving God are these things, then it changes the way we see life and it changes the way we pursue the things of this life. So instead of allowing ourselves to be driven by people and things or allowing ourselves to be driven by the situation around us, we are driven by the love of God and how we pursue people and things. So in our relationships, it's not, it's not the people that we're in a relationship with that change us, but now we see them through God's eyes and we seek to be agents of change for God's purposes in their life. Instead of allowing ourselves to change and adapt based on who we are around or what we are doing, we live this life that we have been gifted for God in all circumstances. 
Instead of allowing our abilities to be hijacked by the world for their gain, we use our abilities first and foremost for God's purposes in life. And instead of allowing our thinking to be determined by the input of an unbelieving world, we see the world through the lens of our love relationship with God. Do you see what I'm talking about, about the shift in thinking, that, that it's not that we withdraw from all of life, but loving God with all of this, of all of our facets now becomes the way that we see life and we live life. And there is some good news because I don't know about you, but this sounds like it's pretty hard to do. And that's the good news, is that we can't do this on our own. How is that good news? It's good news. Trust me. Let's look at it. We talked a little bit about it last week, but I want to dig into it just a little bit more this week. The good news is none of us are capable of loving God in this way. If we were, if anyone was capable of loving God and the complete fullness of what it means to love God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, then Jesus never would have had to come and die on the cross because there would have been perfect followers of God already on the planet. And if somebody can do it, then anybody can do it, so there's no need for a Savior. So the fact that we aren't capable of doing it is good news because that means that we have an example in what it means, and we also have much more than that. See, if you look at this command, all that maybe you're feeling and probably I'm feeling is inadequate, right? We, we, see, we see our inadequacies revealed through this command. I can't love God with all of my heart, let alone with all of my strength, with all of my mind, and with all of my soul. It's just, it's just not something I can do. So how does this impossibility become a blessing to us? And here is what I think we need to understand, is that the only way to love God this way is to receive the love God has given us in this way. The only way to love God with everything is to be able to then receive the way that he loved us with everything. So you and I have been greatly loved. We, we were greatly loved before we even existed, God had the plan and intention of loving you as you are today thousands of years in advance. You and I, as we sit here in this room, God planned on loving you right now the way that he loves you right now, but he planned on doing it thousands of years before you and I ever existed. God loved you and me in this complete way. He loved us in this complete way by sending his son to die in our place. We've talked about this, how, how Jesus died in our place and he paid the price for our sins that we committed and we deserve to die the criminal's death that he died on the cross, but, but he died in our place and God loved us by sending his son to die in our place. And we see the love of God by Jesus himself giving everything. He gave all of his heart, his soul, his mind, and his strength for us. And he gave it completely for our salvation. So God created you and I on purpose. You are not, no one is an accident. There are no accidents in God's economy. God created us on purpose, and he created us for the purpose of loving him with everything that we are. He planned you. He created you. He planned me. He created me according to his plan, and now he wants us to live out that plan in our day-to-day -day lives. But he doesn't want us to do it based on our own ability 
to love God. He doesn't want to do it based on our own ability to, to keep the commandments. He wants us to live it out based on the love that we have received from God. He wants us to live our lives with loving God in this way because we have received such love from God. And that's good news. That's the good, that's why we call, that's why we call the gospel the good news. It's because it's based on the free gift of God, not on our ability to do something on our own. But I want to ask you a question. What if, what if we started living our lives as though loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind was our only option? What if today we, we just started living our lives as though there is no other choice for me? This is the only option I have is to, to love God in this way. How would, it, how would it change the way we think? How would it change the way you see your week? How would it change your perspective and your pursuits of everything in your life? If, if this is my only op- option to love God this way, how would it change the way you see it all? How would it change the way you pursue the people and the things that are in your life? How would it change you to pursue people and things with the perspective of the personality and spirit that God created you with instead of trying to become something to fit in or please those around you? Isn't that something that that we all kind of struggle with on a day-by-day basis is that when we're surrounded by people who don't know God, the challenge becomes, oh, well, I need to kind of fit in, right? I need to do and say and act in a certain way so that I can kind of fit in and adapt into the people around me. But but what if we change it as though the only option is loving God with, with the love that we have received and now so my only option is to bring who God created and designed me with to this conversation, to this relationship, to this instance institution that God has placed me in, how would it change the way you thought about those things? And how would it change your life if, if the pursuit and the perspective of building up his kingdom was the only option and it was for God's glory and not my own benefit and my own bottom line? Because that's really where it kind of boils down, and I think that's really the genius of God pairing these two commands as the two greatest commands in in all of Scripture, loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Is that we tend to take these things and twist them and use them for our own purposes and our own gains, right? Right? It's like, I want to love God, but I'm only going to love God based on what I get from God, not on what I have to give to God. Or I'm going to love the people that God has put around me, but I'm only going to love them as far as I receive from them, not as what I give to them. And so the pairing of these two commands, I think, really just kind of encapsulates, really, as Jesus said, the, the perfect idea of what it means to be a Christ follower, because if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, let's be, let's be honest, I'll, I'll be honest, is that most of our self is drawn up in our selfish pursuits, our selfish agendas, our selfish, our selfish desires. And if we're going to love, love our neighbor as we love ourselves, then that means we have to be as much about them as we are about ourselves. 
And the only way to be as much about them as we are about ourselves is if we've actually received God's love and He's poured it into our lives in such a way they're actually able to give and live. But how would it change things if, if we allowed our perspective and our pursuit to be driven by the love of God? So when we realize that the depth and the width and the height and the length of love that has been shown to us, when we realize that God has poured out his love in abundance, Jesus died so that the whole world might be saved. The whole world will not turn to Christ in salvation, but he died so that they could. He has abundantly offered his love to us. And, and what is our response? I think when we really understand just how massive and immense and indescribable and unexplainable God's love is for us, our only response is to live a life of love and return to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But it comes back to that idea of options, doesn't it? comes back to that idea that, well, um, I'm, I'm going to put, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if anyone plays poker. I don't really pay, play poker that much. But, but I'm going to put a certain number of chips down on this hand. I'm, I'm going to give God just a little bit that I've, that I've got here, but I'm still, I'm going to hold something back. I'm going to give God a little bit here, but... But, uh, well, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about what God's doing in my life right now. I'm feeling pretty good about how things are going. So I'm going to put a, a few more chips down on the table. It's like, I, I, you know what? God's really blessing me at the moment. So I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to come in just a little bit more. But we still kind of have this reserve, right? We've got these, these chips that we've kind of tucked back under our arm, and we're just kind of holding them back in case, you know, something goes wrong or in case there's something that gets thrown down on the table that I wasn't planning about. I'm not totally out of everything. But what would it look like if, if we loved God with all of everything we have? If instead of holding something back in case this God thing doesn't work out, we say, you know what? You have loved me in such an immense and amazing way, not only through your love of sending Christ to die for my sins on the cross, but the fact that he rose from the dead and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now that resurrection power that was what raised Christ from the dead is the same resurrection power that lives in us. And since he resurrected, he ascended, and now he sits at his place of glory at the right hand of the Father. And because he sits there, he intercedes for us. And he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And now we have the resurrection power actually living in us. And if we actually started to believe that this is the way that God has loved us, wouldn't it just say, you know what? Here, all in. All the chips are on the table. And I'm going to give it all to you no matter what it costs me because I see the love that you've given to me. And I'm going to make sure that my life is driven by the pursuit and the perspective of that love. But it has to become our only option. It has to become the only thing that drives us. Otherwise, we just kind of dabble in Christianity and we never really get to experience the fullness of God's love because we never really trust Him to receive the fullness of what He gave to us. 
So my challenge for you and for me is to let the Spirit do the work of revealing those things to us in our heart, in our life, in our soul, in our mind, in our strength that we're kind of holding back. To let, to let God challenge us this morning and say, you know what, you, you're kind of holding back some other options. You're, you're holding back some things. And I want you to have all of me. To have all of me, you have to receive all of me. And we'll never receive all of God if we're holding stuff back for ourselves. So as the band comes, as we sing this song, we'll take communion after the song and, and just let God kind of challenge us and work in our hearts. I just, I just want God to have room to move in our hearts and in our minds to, to bring those things up. And as God does that, my challenge to you would not be to just kind of let it come up and think about it for a moment and then stuff it back down, but to let it come up and let God deal with it in a way that only God can deal with it and then focus on receiving more of God's love to fill that desire. Because God wants to root out all of our selfish desires and replace them with his love, and the only way to do that is to give him control of everything to make him the only option. Would you stand? I just ask that you bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this moment that we have right now, in this short time that we're gathered together, I pray that these words that you've shared with us this morning of loving you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind, that, that you would, through your Spirit, allow them, allow that truth to go through the ins and outs of who we are and to challenge and check everything about who we are. And Father, I pray that, that you would just do a work in us right now that only you can take the credit for, and that you would send your Spirit through each and every one of us and, and challenge our heart and what drives us. Challenge our soul and, and our, our eternal nature and our personality, the, what makes us who we are and who you made us to be, and, and see if we're holding some of those things back for our own gain or if we've given all of those things over to you. Father, I pray that you would, that you would challenge us through your Spirit to look at the abilities and the strengths that you've given to us, and are we loving you with those or are we holding them back for our own personal gain? And to look at our mind, to look and see if our mind is consumed with ourselves and our own getting ahead for what we want, or is our mind consumed with how do we make much of Jesus in this life that you've given to us? Father, challenge us on those and, and do the work in us to, to root those incorrect, improper perspectives and pursuits out of our lives and replace them with the love that you have for us, that so we may not just become obsessed with the love of God for our own selfish pursuits, but that we would allow this love of the kingdom that God has entrusted in us and put in our hearts to, to affect how we pursue everything outside of this place. Father, I pray that, 
that this love that we receive, that we then live out, would be something that changes the way we see the world and that through this new perspective, you'd help us to see the hurting and the broken through the eyes of your love. That we would seek less to condemn those who don't agree with us and we'd seek more to, to see the brokenhearted nature of those who are still struggling on the outside to find love. And Father, change what drives our pursuits and our passions. Change what drives our perspective on how we see everything around us so that we may live lives that more closely reflect who you are and who you want us to be for this world and that more people might see you shining in and through us every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.